So glad that you are here this morning. Um, you know, I, I, I'm really excited for Easter. Um, you know, I had this thought, this, this vision, this, something excited me in my spirit about Easter. I mean, what would it look like? How, how would it be if everybody here um, felt like we have a hand, we have a part to, to play in putting on, creating a service, an Easter service for all our friends and families, for the people in our city who don't know Jesus yet, that we're going we're gonna to create this service so that uh, we're going to invite as many people who don't know who Jesus really is yet to come. I mean, what would that look like? <clears throat> you know, so often uh, we think, well, we come here on Sundays and we come to Easter, and Easter is a great time. We'll invite our family and we invite our friends who already know Jesus, and we just kind of like get together and have like a fun. We have food after, and it'll be fun just to connect with each other, you know. And and that's 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 okay. That's 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 not bad. That's okay. But what would happen if 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 all of us said, you know what? I have a part to play. Somehow I got to do something, and. And you might say, well, you know what? I got to do something. Maybe I'll greet people and I'll be like, I'll work and I'll do like parking. And when every car comes in, I'm going to pray and wave to them and all this stuff. Or, you know, so my part is that I'm going to invite my whole workplace to come because they need Jesus. And I, and I thought about that and I thought like how um, on April 1st, 2018, no fooling, right? Um, April 1st, that because of what we all did together as a church and, and, and the service together we created, that, that how great would it be on, 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 on April 1st, 2018, uh, people would have been saved and enjoy life that will go on for all eternity. Just because we decided as a church we're going to come together and instead of this being for me, I'm going to do something for people who don't know Jesus yet. I mean, how great would that be? You know, I thought about, like, how, how great would I feel if I carried someone out of a burning building, you know, and I, I saved their lives. I've saved their earthly life. But, but, you know, how much greater would it be if on April 1st we got together and people made a decision, you know what, Jesus is Jesus. I'm accepting it as my Savior. And, and, and people get saved for all eternity. I mean, is there anything that would be more valuable than that? I can't think of anything that would be more valuable than that. I mean, you know, Kirk Cousins going to the, 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 the San Francisco 49ers, that, that's really, really, really great. But that is nothing compared to seeing someone and uh, come to know Jesus and begin to experience life that starts right now and goes all the way through eternity. Like Billy Graham said, not dying, it's just changing address. So that's, that's my appeal to you, all right? Don't let this be a service that is done to you, you know? Let this be a service we do together, and that we just somehow, way, we're going to do something, because we as a church... Church is not where we go. Church is not something we do. 
Church is who we are, right? And as a church, we go out and we do something that would make an eternal difference. That would be like, great. You know, most of us would agree that relationships are very, very important, right? I mean, there would be hardly anybody here unless you're a hermit. But I can't imagine my life uh, without the relationships that God has blessed me with. You know, even just in the last couple of days, you know, I just find myself so thankful for different people, for the people that God's placed in my life. We went to a, a, a memorial service uh, yesterday, and, uh, you know, a good friend of mine uh, was doing the, the Sir Alan Cardenas, Pastor Alan Cardenas was doing the service. We were talking, and then someone from our church came up, and I introduced Alan to them, and, and it was just great. And then it come to find out, I said, oh, yeah, I was uh, uh, with Mark when, when we had our youth group. You know, and uh, and and Alan goes, uh, oh, and do you still, you still want to follow that guy? And uh, you know, and I thought, you know, how great that was. It's so, so, it just was such a blessing, you know. That I, I this is someone I knew uh, for a long, long time. That relationship means a lot um, to me, and I've been thinking about that, you know. And and yet, you know, with every relationship, with every relationship. Um, we're going to face forks in the road. You know, at some point, at some point, as you meet people, you make friends, you get to know them, um, um, they're going to get knocked off that pedestal, right, where they do something to criticize or annoy or frustrate or, or, or maybe even exclude you, right? And as soon as you find yourself kind of annoyed or exasperated or whatever, um, we're at a fork in the road. You know, we, we have choices that we can make. And, and the default path that most people take when they get to that fork in the road is what someone once called the path of disposable grace. The path of disposable grace. And disposable is defined as, you know, uh, something that is designed to dis- be disposed of after the use, right? Like paper plates, they're disposable. And, and when we choose to go down the path of disposable grace, what we're doing is we're exercising our choice that as soon as someone becomes an inconvenience, an annoyance, um, a source of pain, we're criticized uh, or offended, slighted maybe, we dispose of those relationships. We leave them behind and we just create new ones, right? And that is the path of of disposable grace. And um, what we do is, you know, it's just ah, irritating. So we find a different group of people that we're going to hang out with. Or, um, you know, you're going to find a new workplace. Uh, You're going to find a new yoga class to join or whatever. Uh, It might be like, you know, we join a different church. We go to a different church. Or we find a different small group within the church you know, but, but what it is, is um, we just find a different group to hang out with because we're exercising an option we think, you know, that we have. But what happens is that when we take the path of disposable grace, we miss out on something. That we miss out on something um, that, that God wants to do. That we miss out on the fruitfulness that can occur as we continue on. Disposable grace never bears fruit that God wants. 
you know, about 12 years ago, Barry and Amy Fong, Barry and Amy are um, a couple who have uh, been coming to our church for a very long time from the very get-go. Um, and their daughter, Danielle, uh, planted an avocado tree uh, from the seed. You know how you poke the, 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 the um, toothpicks and you put in water and then you get roots. And so she decided that she's going to be um, Danielle apple seed or um, avocado seed. And she planted uh, the avocado in the ground, the, the seed in the ground. And, you know, she did some research, and they said it takes about 10 years before an avocado tree, you know, as they grow up, um, that they begin to bear fruit. So they watered it for 10 years, took care of their avocado tree, you know, and, and every so often, you know, Barry being the father and the husband, he goes, I'll prune the tree. And so he'll prune the tree a little bit. <clears throat> and, and they did all that. But after 10 years, there were still no fruit on the tree. So they did some more research. They found out that uh, uh, an avocado tree that is planted from the seed um, would rarely bear, it almost never bears fruit, which I thought that was very odd, right? Like, how, how, how else are you going to, like, what, what, you know, how, how else are you going to bear fruit? And so you got to graft and all these kind of things like that. That's kind of weird, you know? But so... They thought, okay, you know what? Um, we're just going to keep watering it. We're going to keep taking care of it until um, Barry thought, you know, that it was time to cut down uh, the tree. Uh, you know, probably because you know it's taking up all our time, our water, our property. So we're just going to not doing that barren, right? To which Amy, you know, and Amy's on our prayer team. She goes, I'm going to start praying because you know. Um, Barry be not cutting down my tree, you know. So, so started to to pray, and um, then you know about two or three weeks ago had a lot of rain. It continues to have a lot of rain, and um, after the days of rain, they for the first time they saw flowers. They saw a lot of flowers on the tree, you know, and um, they're praying that the flowers will become fruit. But you know what? It's taken twelve years of prayer, uh, twelve years of care, twelve years of prayer, you know, to get to this point. And the thing is, like, bearing fruit takes time. And bearing fruit in relationships, um, that takes time as well. But like that tree, um, when we take the path of disposable grace, you know, what happens is, is that our relationships don't really bear fruit. And, uh, you know, fear of getting hurt or being taken advantage of or, or all that stuff, we, we kind of stay at a level of politeness, right? Kind of surfacey is what we do, you know? And, and, and as long as we stay there and as long as, um, you know, there's just good vibes and, and, and everyone's behaving themselves, that, that, that we stay in, you know, that we stay in it. And, and the sad thing is, you know, there's a lot of Christians who think that's the way relationships are. You know, that you keep things real surfacy and stuff. Just be nice. You just be polite. Because we're all supposed to get together, get along, you know. And I heard people say, oh, you know, we, um, you know, someone's doing something that is kind of irritating. And, and, and as Christians, we say stuff like, oh, that's just Mark being Mark. And we think it's the Christian thing. You just let Mark be Mark. Well, we do that, 
And then when Mark B. Mark is so irritating, we just check out. We go like, can't stand Mark anymore. And we dig, right? And, and, and the truth is, when we do that, we just miss out. That we miss out on the fruit that God wants to develop in our relationships through time, you know? But that's what happens when we often, you know, so often we take that path of disposable grace. And in John 13, Jesus lays out a different path, a better path. It's a harder path, but it's, it's, it's what I'll call, what I call um, the path of durable faith. The path of durable faith. Durable is, is defined as being able to endure or continue. It's not perishable. It's not changeable. And on this path, if we stay on this path, path of durable grace, we experience and we see a miracle happen over and over again. And the miracle is that the grace of God produces great fruit from all these relational challenges. The things that we run away from, the things that we just like check out from, those things, what God does, he uses those things and, and, and we bear fruit. He bears fruit in our relationships. Some of the greatest relationships you and I have, the deepest relationships, aren't those surfacey ones where, hey, how's the weather? Pretty good. How's the weather with you? How's work? Fine, great, good. It, it goes beyond that. You know, the, the, the deepest relationships that I have is I can go and I just sometimes I just vent. Right? You know? And, and they, 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 they love and they care about me just the way I am. When I'm just acting like a dork, which happens a lot, the greatest friends, the deepest friendships in the relationships I have, they say, Mark, Mark, you know, like, you know, um, you're acting like a dork again. You know, will you turn back and look to Jesus? And they kind of focus me back. And, and I experience, and you experience, much fruit. But it comes not when we take the path of disposable grace. It comes when we walk the path of durable grace. And, and, Jesus, and Jesus took the path of, of durable grace in a really gut-wrenching situation that we're going to look at in John 13. You know? Because, again, the easier path is the path of disposable grace, right? Anything disposable is easy, right? Disposable that, throw it away. Don't got to wash it. Don't got to take it. Just dump it when we're done. But we do that with our relationships. When we go to durable grace, that's a little harder. That's a lot harder. And we're going to see what Jesus did. There's a bunch that we can learn from his example from John 13, verse 1. How did Jesus walk the path of durable grace? The first thing he did was Jesus loves to the end. Jesus loves to the end, you know, uh, John 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. You know, that's an amazing, amazing phrase, that Jesus loved to the end. How great 
it is for us to think that our Savior loves us to the end, right? You know, Jesus doesn't love us when we do great things, when we do good things, when we stay away from bad things. But he loves us to the end. His love was durable. It was this lasting quality. That it, it, it didn't quit when things got messy. And there are so many people that came to Jesus, you know, and, and, and they came and they wanted something from him. They wanted to be with him. They wanted to be fed, that they wanted to be healed. They wanted to, to see all the great things that he was doing. They, they came um, because they wanted to be a part of something special. They could sense something is in the air, and they wanted to be a part of that. But when Jesus started to share things, that was a little bit hard. It made them go like, what? Things maybe they didn't agree with. They checked out. They checked out. But Jesus never checked out from people, especially those who were willing to just say, I want to follow you as best I can. And he demonstrated this durable grace that didn't waver in times of disagreement. People would come and go, but Jesus would love them no matter what. That there are times of disagreements and hurts and even betrayal, but he loved them to the end. You know, as, as we continue on, Jesus would, again, as we look in this passage, he's going to face this fork in the road where it would have been really easy to choose disposable grace. But in this really painful situation, because it involves someone that Jesus poured a lot of his life into, that it would, and it was a, it was a situation that would eventually cost him his life. But he chose durable grace. What is that? What did he choose? Second thing is this: he chose to exercise durable grace and focus on what he needed to do and not what others should do. That that's a weird sentence, bad bad grammar. But Jesus chose to experience. Durable grace, and the point is this. He didn't look to the other person. He just looked to himself. Just so often what we do, right, is we look and we blame, we point fingers. You know, they did this, they did that. We just stay focused on that. And when we focus on that, it just kind of messes us up. All day we're thinking about that. All night we're thinking about that. And there's nothing we can do about it because that's what they did. That's what they thought and all this stuff. And Jesus... He exercised durable grace, and he just focused on what he could do, what he needed to do. In verse 2, it says, The evening meal was in process, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his control, and that he had come from the Father and was returning to the Father. And, And it was like, you know, that... Jesus had given so much of himself to to these 12 disciples. He gave them the fullness of his attention, his care, his teaching, uh, his leadership. And in spite of all that, Judas was going to betray him. And and the craziest thing is he knew about that. In John chapter 6, verse 70 and 71, Jesus makes reference to the fact that Judas is going to betray him. And he knew this. 
And yet, knowing that, Jesus, that Judas was going to betray him, he didn't leave him behind. Which would have been something, you know, that most all of us would have done. He didn't leave Judas behind, but he showed, continued to show him just love, great love. He stayed engaged with him and showed him what durable grace was all about. And he chose to exercise durable grace instead of focusing on the betrayal. He just focused on this mission. God has given me all this. God has put everything under my care. And I have to continue to focus on that. Because it would have been really easy to think, like sitting there with his disciples and Judas. You know, you know I, I, I probably would have, right? And it would have just messed me up. It would have paralyzed me. And isn't it true sometimes when we, when we feel hurt or betrayed or, or just, you know, someone does something to us, we feel offended, doesn't that like just bother us the whole day and it's, you know, at night we're thinking about that, you know? And, and, and it doesn't do us any good. And Jesus said, no, nah, you know what? I'm going to focus on what I can do what I have come to do, and not that. And that was his focus. The betrayal of Judas was damaging his relationship. It was a real threat to his safety, right? And yet Jesus chose something to do something absolutely crazy. What he did, third thing, he chose to extend unspeakable love, unexplainable love, crazy love, that Jesus chose to extend this, this, this unexplainable, the love that he extends to Judas. Verse 4, so he got up from the meal, and this is what he does, all right? He knows Judas is going to betray him. He knows, you know, that time is going to be short. That time's coming real soon. And, and here's Jesus. He gets up from this meal. He took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the, uh, his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that it was wrapped around him. Knowing that he was going to be betrayed, but he's focusing on, on what he needs to do, what God, had, God the Father had called him to do, he does something really crazy. He, he stoops down and he takes the role of a servant and begins to wash his disciples' feet. And imagine their teacher, their leader, doing something so menial that in some households, the Jewish slaves wouldn't, they say, no, that's, that's beneath you. And the non-Jews, the Gentiles, that's the job for them. And, and Jesus stooped down and began to wash their feet. Peter, James, Judas, he washes all of their feet. And in that culture, when foot washing is done by a wife or her husband or a child to their parents or a student, for his teacher, it was always an act of extreme love and devotion. 
But this was even beyond that. It wasn't Jesus' disciples doing this for him as a way of honoring him. It was the teacher, the leader, doing it for his students. And what Jesus was doing and showing and sharing was that, that he was demonstrating what durable grace is all about. That even in the midst of that, you can do and you're going to do what you're going to do. And, and you know what? You're an imperfect human being. You're going to mess things up. You're going to criticize. You're going to criticize. You're gonna, you can even betray me. And I'm going to continue to love you with an unexplainable love. And if it means washing your feet, that was, that was, that was way more than just so often we look at Jesus washing his disciples' feet as an act of servant leadership. In this context, it's so much more than that. It's not just an act of servant leadership. It's far more. It's a way of expressing unexplainable love in the midst of, of a gut-wrenching situation where one of your friends, one of your 12, is going to betray you. Verse 6, he comes to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus said, you do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. Right? Because the betrayal had not happened yet. Then, then, Lord, you know, unless I wash your feet, you have no part of me. So Simon says, shoot, not just my feet, everything. Just go at it, you know, right? That's Simon and Simon. He didn't understand. None of them understood. You know, they were shocked, they were stupefied. No leader, no, no, no teacher has, had ever done this. And here's Jesus doing that. And it didn't make sense. But again, it was more than demonstrating a servant leader's heart. He was showing them love and a durable faith and, you know, a durable grace. And you know what? They didn't understand it then, but they're going to understand that later. Verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to his place. You understand what I've done for you? He asked. You call me teacher and Lord, rightly so, for that is what I am. Now, I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. Now, you know what, guys? Go do the same. Follow my example. Yes, be a servant leader, but be even more than that. Be a person, be a leader, be a disciple, be a man who will walk in durable grace. Because you're going to encounter stuff. You're going to encounter criticism. You're going to encounter betrayal. You're going to be, you know, left out. You're going to be offended. But in the midst of that, do what I did. Extend love even if it's unexplainable. And Jesus knew that durable grace would bear fruit, even though Judas was going to betray him. So the fourth thing is this. He chose to extend an offering of love, even in the midst of betrayal. Jesus chose to extend an offering of love, and it was so fascinating to me as I'm reading and meditating on this passage. It was like God was speaking to me beyond what I always thought. 
that the Holy Spirit will say, Mark, look at this really carefully in context of what is happening here. I know you've been thinking about this as like, this is a servant leader, this is what leaders are supposed to do, and yes, they do, but it's more than just serving. It's, it's loving in ways in which is not understandable to most people. And even in the midst of the hardest times of betrayal, you got to keep offering love. Verse 18, I'm not referring to all of you. I know that I have uh, those I have chosen. But this is to fulfill the passage of Scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I'm telling you now, before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. He's preparing them. Very truly, I say, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. And after he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit, and he testified very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples obviously stare at one another at a loss uh, to know which of them he meant, and one of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, and that was the designation of, of, of John. John would be called a number of times the apostle or the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. That's Peter, right? Ask him which one he means. I got to know. Because we're going to get rid of that guy, right? Get rid of that guy. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it into the dish. Then dipping that piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. And as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered in. So Jesus told him, what you're about to do, do it quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said, to him, oh, said this to him. Since, since Judas had changed, was in charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to go and buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. Okay. That tells you that in that situation, no one suspected that Judas was the guy. And here you had the disciple that Jesus spent over three years with, that he was trusted enough to be in charge of the money for that group, you know? And this guy, who no one suspected, that's the guy that would betray Jesus. And, and, and what happens is, is he, he extends, even at that point, he says, one of you, and he knows who it is, right? One of you is going to betray me. And he knows what the group is thinking. Tell us which one's Jesus, because we'll get him, right? But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus offers him, and it's so, to me, it's so significant that he offers him a piece of bread. Because whenever Jesus did that, the pattern of his life, that when Jesus handed someone a piece of bread, it was always, this is the bread of heaven. In fact, Jesus said earlier that I am the bread of life. And that, that, that this is the life of the world. This is God's love for you. And it's like Jesus is handing Judas a piece of bread saying, this is God's love for you. 
I love you. And I cannot stop you from doing what you think you're going to have to do. That's between you and you. But as for me, I love you. And even at that point, Jesus was giving him an opportunity. That he had an opportunity. Jesus didn't call him out. How easy would it have been? One of you is going to be is going to betray me, and that person is you, right? And like what? And you know what? That would have been the end of that. But he didn't call him out. He gave Judas an opportunity. And says, "Hey, you. I know what you've been thinking." but I love you. See, even in the moment when he knew Judas would deny him, he gives him an opportunity to turn away. That's what walking the path of durable grace, that's what it looks like. When a person is so anchored in God's love, and God's durable, durable grace himself, that he can wash the feet of someone who would betray him and then extend to them an offering of love. That's the path of durable grace. See, Jesus was fully God, but he was fully man. And he felt all the emotions that comes with relationships. He felt everything. Jesus felt the closeness, the friendship, the bond of being in a group of men over three years. He experienced the ups and downs of relationships. There were conflicts, there were criticisms that would come against him. But Jesus never took, never ever took the path of disposable grace. Even in the face of this betrayal, Jesus took the path of durable. He never checked out. He never gave up. He never said, no, and moved on. See, love is more than a sentimental attraction or an attachment that comes and goes. Because that's what we think love is sometimes. Sentimental feeling that we have. It kind of comes and it goes. But love is really something that translates into a decision to act in profound ways. Love is action. And Jesus, in the midst of betrayal, chose to focus on what he needed to do, not worry about what others are doing. That Jesus extended an unexplainable love that didn't disengage at the first sign of conflict. And Jesus extended an offering of love, even in the midst of betrayal. That's who Jesus is. But how about you? How about you? How do you respond? How do you respond in your relationships with people you know? That when you're offended, when you're criticized, when when you're left out, when you're betrayed, do you disengage and leave at the first sign of trouble? Do you act as 
judge and jury and condemn others for the crimes they have done against you and leave? Or do you take the path to durable grace and be like Jesus, follow his example? Because if you do, that bears fruit. And as we read here, it's not always easy. That's the harder way. That's the harder path. A great man, as Max talked about earlier, went home to, to be with the Lord early this week. God used Billy Graham in just powerful ways in leading millions to himself. There are millions of people who are in heaven because of Billy Graham. And, you know, you look at his life, he went through all kinds of challenges, all kinds of criticism, all kinds of betrayals. But he's a man who took the path of durable grace. And his life bore much fruit. When his daughter, Anne Graham Lotz, was 17, he was driving, you know, carelessly down a hill, crashed into their neighbor's car. She was too afraid to tell her father about the accident, so for the rest of the day, she kept kind of avoiding him. You know, that's how you are, because you're afraid. And uh, when she finally decided and uh, came home, she tried to tiptoe around her dad. But there he was standing in the kitchen. And so Anne kind of tells what happens next. She says, I paused for what seemed like a long moment frozen in time. And then I ran to him and I threw my arms around his neck. And I said, I told him about the wreck, how I had driven too fast, smashed into the neighbor's car. I told him, told him it wasn't her fault. It was all my fault. As I wept on his shoulder, he said four things to me. And I knew it all along. Mrs. Pickering came straight up the mountain and told me, uh, and I was just waiting for you to come to tell me yourself. Two, I love you. Three, we can fix that car. And four, you are going to be a better driver because of this. And Anne says, sooner or later, all of us are involved in some kind of wreck. It may be your own fault or maybe someone else's. When the damage is your own fault, there's a good chance you'll be confronted by the flashing blue lights of the popo, right? Or she said police, sorry. Um, but, but my father, but she says, but my father gave me a deeper understanding of what it means to experience the loving, forgiving embrace of my heavenly father. You might be a person who, who have walked down that path of disposable grace and you've just left people behind. Nothing is too late. And maybe what God is saying to you, maybe it's time to turn back and get on the path of durable grace. And for some of us, it might be, you know, there's some people that we need to go and, and maybe kind of do some, a little bit of mending. I'm sorry. I, I messed things up. Will you please forgive me? Short bunch of words. But they go a whole long way. And maybe for some of us, that's where we need to be right now. And when we say, God, we messed up. And I don't know if that person will ever, ever, ever forgive me. Or we might say, I don't know if I could ever forgive that person. And I read the book and I just so happened I, I, I watched The Shack this, this, this past weekend, this past week. And there's that part, man, when he's, he's walking with the wrapped 
dead body of his daughter. Right? If you've never seen a movie, kind of giving it away. She dies, okay? But 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 she dies really early, all right? So, but she's he's he's walking, and he was he was exhorted to say to to forgive the person who committed this heinous crime. To forgive him. And so he's walking with the body of his daughter, and you hear him saying, I forgive you. I forgive you. And he was told that you might have to do it a thousand times. And he was like, I forgive you. Maybe, maybe you're carrying just this burden, this hurt, this offense. And and maybe you got to just say, God, I forgive them. I forgive them. And just walk back. Take steps back to the path of, of durable grace. The greatest thing is Jesus says, the Bible says, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, and he'll get you back on the right path. So as we close right now, this is an opportunity for you. You pray. Tell God where you are. God, I've been on that path of disposal. And then you know what? You pray. And then you take steps of faith. Prayer is where it begins. But, 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 but it has to lead to action. That's faith. Right? Let's pray. Father, you know where we are. You know what we've done. You know what has been done to us. You know our hearts. You know you see the pain. You feel the pain in our heart. Father, help us. Help us to let go of what we got to let Because the path of disposable grace doesn't bear fruit. And we can testify to that because I, we look in our lives. We don't see fruit in those relationships we've been walking that path. Give us the strength to turn and begin walking on the path that you walk, Jesus. The path of doable. If we have to forgive, give us the grace to forgive. If we've got to do it a thousand times, Father, give us the grace for a thousand times. I forgive you. If it's forgiving someone else, it's the same thing. Father, I pray. I pray that today will be such a day in which this is the day that we can mark on our calendars. This is the day which we stop walking on the path of disposable grace, and this is the day we turned. This is the day we turned. And just as we, by faith, are praying that, that the fongs avocado tree will be bearing fruit, as we turn, our lives would bear fruit as well. Even though we don't see it now, we're going to take steps we're going to see the miracle the miracle of seeing you bear fruit even in the midst of all our challenges we thank you in Jesus name